Nobody wins unless everybody wins. Chris, how are you? How's it? Good, thank you. How you doing? Yeah, good. We're good. Yeah. So I'm Steve. That one's Adam. Hey Steve. Hey Adam. Hi mate. Yeah. Hey. I gotta tell you guys, this is my first successful Zoom call. Oh really? Okay. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah. That's good to know. What's that? What's that? What's that? In your, in your I mean. What's that in the picture behind you? What's that? What's that? Is the picture on the wall behind you? Who's that? Oh, it's a uh, it's a painting of uh, by this guy Andrew Wyatt. Oh, okay. It looks like is it like a, it's like a little girl? It's kind of hard to tell, but it looks like there that it's a girl wearing a face mask. <laughs> nah, it's a kid. It's a kid in a coonskin cap. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. No face mask. Yeah. That's cool. You got you're living in a wooden cabin, are you? Or yeah, that's right. We have a a, a log house out here in log house. Pennsylvania farm country. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, oh, I, I I wonder. It's not the Unabomber's old cabin, is it? <laughs> it kind of feels that way. I've been locked down for so long, and it kind of feels that way. Yeah. Hey, sorry guys, I think we're going to have to turn the videos off. If you go and stop the videos, just so the sound works. Okay. Yeah. Oh. So, yeah. Show you that too? Show you that too? Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. I'm going to yeah. try to do this. Okay, we'll just uh, we'll, we'll drive it blind. Yeah, sorry. It's, it's, a, it's a lot easier to look at someone's face, but we'll be able to hear each other better. How's that? Yeah, that's cool. Oh, yeah, that's good for yeah. me. So, Chris, is it Chris? Do I sound any better? Yeah, you do actually, quite a bit better. Yeah. So, oh, do you good, like, right. do you like Chris or Christopher? Uh, Chris is fine. Um, only yeah. um, only if my mom joins the call, but we have to use Christopher. Okay. Well, I didn't send her the link, so we should be right. <laughs> okay. Um. So. Okay. Oh, we okay. we should start the podcast, shouldn't we? <laughs> so, um, Chris, sure, if you want to. Yeah, yeah. Well, welcome to Crush the Cargill podcast. Um, and our special guest today is Chris McDougall, who's the author of uh, Born to Run, Natural Born Heroes and Running with Sherman. So, um, hey, Chris, I've got, I've got two of those books, except I've lost, I've lost one. I lent um, Born to Run to somebody and um, I haven't got it back. I don't know who I lent it to. Maybe it's your copy left. No one book. ever gets it back. <laughs> no, it's, it's, a, it's a phenomenon. No one has ever gotten a copy back. Uh, I hear that all the time. People lend it and it's gone for good, which I kind of dig because uh, I, I think I probably doubled sales just for people mistakenly making lends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you've sold a few copies that book in Dunedin. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I was actually there. It was one of the um, – I was actually there for a book event. Um, man, it was like five years ago now. That's right. And uh, we had a great time, man. A uh, really cool – great run along the water it was it was a blast 
Yeah, yeah you, so you, you stayed you with know, Chris Soul. He's, yeah. He's, yeah. Yeah. All right. Oh, hey, my, my wife is handing me headphones, so this whole operation could take on a whole different tone. Oh, nice. Oh, a moment. Oh, we can continue talking. Yeah, 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 yeah. Figure cool. things out here. Uh, could I increase the audio a little bit? Yeah. Um, kind of, my is kind of dim. Oh, I, I, I remember well, it well. I remember well, it well. Not, not that you were there, but there was... Um, you went for a run on the beach uh, with hey, um, Dave McLean. Here we go, guys. I, I got, I'm sorry, I just got my headphones in, so now I can uh, pick up. I'm sorry, I missed the last thing you said. Oh, I was saying, I, I, I remember you being in Dunedin Well. It was, um, uh, it was like a writer's festival or whatever, and there was... Um, yeah! There was a, yeah, and there was, a, there was a group run. They went and um, yeah, took a photo of you in the ODT, and there's a whole... A bunch of you nutters running down the beach. I would have been there, but I think I had work or something. Um, but who was the? Uh, oh, you know the the best part was the best part was er, earlier in the day we went for a trail run up to a waterfall. Where the heck was that? Um, would have been Ross Creek. We, what's that? What's that like park? It must have been yeah. Ross Creek. Yeah, maybe. Is there a waterfall up there? Yeah, there is a waterfall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess. Yeah. And really cool, like gnarly trail, like really, all, all really ser serious, like Hobbit lands. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's and and just open. Oh my god, man! I was like running that. Oh, like... well, you you weren't too far away from Mount Cargill, oh, which god. is um, like yeah, where this podcast pretty much gets its name, I guess. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. Hmm. All right, yeah. Sorry, my 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 memory is not as sharp as it should be. It's all coming back to me a little bit at a time, but um, yeah, okay. I remember Mount Cargo, but I guess we maybe we just drove around it at one point coming in because the name definitely sticks out in my mind. Oh, yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I think I was only there for like 24 hours, but I felt like, holy shit, I'm running on the beach, I'm running the mountains, I'm running next to a waterfall. Like these guys have got all the running in the world within five minutes of, of each other. Yeah, we should. Yeah, New, Ze New Zealand's pretty cool like that. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, you yeah. can run anywhere. To be fair, I mean, don't, you don't need hills or a beach to run, but it helps. Yeah. Anyway. Cool. Oh, so, yeah. You don't need it. You know, like, there's lots of the, you. You don't need ice cream either, but it's you know, it's nice when you got it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Anyway. So, what's been happening? How's how's, how's the lockdown stuff? Oh man. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, it's been weird here because, you know, unlike you guys, we just fucked it up. Like, we just did everything wrong. <laughs> and I was going to say, thank God you said that, Chris, man, because I was going to, I was going to rip you one if you, if you said, if you said differently. <laughs> oh, no, we're, 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 we're the fucking world's laughing stock. I'm watching your prime minister, you know, as soon as she beats the coronavirus, she then shrugs off an earthquake. I'm like, man, you're the fucking coolest person on earth. <laughs> and what are we stuck with? You know, we we're just stuck oh, man, with this. She, anyway, I mean, I, I, yeah. she's, she's done it all, man. She's done like mosque shootings. She's done bloody earthquakes. You know, she's done. I rockers. know. Yeah, just I'm just rocking it. And she had a baby. Oh yeah, and she had a baby. I, I was. Yeah, I almost. <laughs> I almost feel like the earthquake wasn't real. Like 
people decide, hey, let's just rock this building a little bit just to see if there's anything that will shake her up. They're like, no, absolutely not. And I love the fact that she looks up like, okay, you know, no, no light fixtures above me. Let's keep going. <laughs> <laughs> you, got, you guys get quite a bit of coverage like that over there, Chris. I think I keep an eye out. I had a really good time when I was in New Zealand. You know, I, I got adopted yeah. by the worm, you know, by, uh, so when I was up in Wellington, I, I ran with those guys all the time and then don't come down to Dunedin and have a blast. And so I yeah. it just kind of won a place in my heart. So I just kind of keep my, uh, you know, what else is kind of cool too was about three years after I was there, a buddy of mine in Philly was taking, having a honeymoon in New Zealand. And a bunch of his buddies, his running buddies, decided to, like, crash his honeymoon and go with them. And they ended up in Wellington. And the people I ran with three years earlier, I just sent them a message. And they just, like, took in this whole group from Philly and took them out every day running and drinking and having a good time. So, yeah, I kind of feel a little personal connection with you guys. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Well, you know, a lot of um, – a lot of um, – a lot of rich Americans uh, – are building their their doomsday mansions over in the the hills around New Zealand, especially around where Adam is in Queenstown. Peter Peter Teal, he's one. Who said yeah. um, there's that American um, TV presenter that got a bit touchy with the ladies. He's got one. Yeah. Um, what's his name? Can't it's remember. Kim dot coms here. Yeah. Oh, he's there too. I just want to say. I just want to person. I just want to personally apologize for all that. <laughs> Sorry, guys. It's not. It's not bad enough that we fuck up our own country. We got to start doing imports too. <laughs> yeah, we we need to keep an eye on them for sure. Well, you have it on ourselves yeah. anyway. Yeah. We should. Oh, uh, we've got, be, we, we shouldn't we, laugh at you. It's um. We, we, quite oh, we've got um. We've got Matt Lang as well. <laughs> Matt Lang, yeah. Yeah. Old Chennai Twain's ex-husband. Oh man. Oh yeah. yeah they, they, they oh don't... man, you guys definitely need. If, if there's one thing that can shake you guys, it might just be American billionaires. You know, <laughs> you guys can suffer through everything without a problem, except for the onslaught of American billionaires. Well, yeah, yeah we've, we've tightened up no, the how, borders. How are you guys so. doing now? So, yeah, so you guys are doing good though, huh? So the country is basically reverting back to normal. Yeah, slowly. Yeah, slowly. We're opening up bars and we're allowed up to 100 people to gather from Friday. Um, yeah, so it would be probably normal in a month without no no overseas tourists. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it, we've, done, we've done pretty well. It, it helps to be down at the bottom of the earth um, on an island. Yeah, actually, speaking of which, like, I've heard a lot about what's happening with coronavirus in New Zealand. And I've heard a lot about what's happening in America. But that's about it. Like, what the hell's going on in India? I mean, that whole country could be dead by now. I wouldn't even know about it. Yeah, the rate's increasing there. I've been looking into that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Cool. Well, that's what close. we're hearing in South America, too. Yeah, right. South America looks pretty hey, I tell you what, guys, you know what? You know what, guys? We need, we need to take this conversation up energy, man. You know, we've got to stop focusing on the negative. <laughs> Let's yes. find something yeah. cool and up, upbeat to talk about. Yeah. Well, Chris, I, I had a question. I got, I, I got a question for you, though. So you got – all right, you go first. No, no, you go, you go first because uh, – You're the guest. Yeah. <laughs> okay. okay. Oh, well, thank you. My only question is, you guys know the ultra runner Anna Frost? Yes. Yeah. Oh, we, we know her well. So, 
Oh yeah, does she live there? I've seen a lot of her posts there. I thought she was, I thought she was Australian. No, no, she's <laughs> she's a local. She's born and bred in Dunedin. So um, for ah, okay. a lot of the year, this is her home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Australia is like the West Island. Yeah, because. Yeah. All oh, right. It's a, it's the suburb. It's the New Zealand suburb. Yeah, we kind of look down on them. Um, yeah, I, I've seen a bunch of. <laughs> you mean like geographically? Um, I don't know. It's kind just, of like just in every way. I think. Yeah, we 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 had a prime minister. In every we, way. We, we we had a great prime minister once before Jacinda called um Rob Muldoon, and he once said in regards to New Zealanders that moved to Australia. They they um they lift the IQ of both countries. <laughs> hey yeah, well, I'd seen all these posts from Anna Frost in Dunedin, and I was like, um, yeah, I wasn't sure why she was there. Whether she like chose it as like a training base or what. Um, that's that's uh, really she, cool to hear because she's born and bred here. Uh, yeah, I've been a fan of hers for years, you know, and um, I didn't really know that much about her backstory. She just kind of burst on the scene was kicking ass um yeah so it's kind of cool to see that you know she came from that environment and just blasted off yeah hey she she beat um she beat grand guys at um hard rock didn't she she did yeah 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 here at uh crush the cargo yeah that whole solomon team has been has been yeah they've been really good um here at crush the cargo chris we have a uh, category for the fastest unborn child um, up and down Mount Cargo, and she's uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> she, she took that out a couple of years ago. Well, her, her child did. Her child did, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so she's, she's a great. legend around here. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> we, we, we want to talk about We want to talk about I got to hear, hang on, man. I, I got to hear. Sorry, man. I got. I gotta jump back and hear some more cargo prizes. You got any other like offbeat awards? Got <laughs> <laughs> a couple. <laughs> we usually make up a couple on the day. <laughs> the, the fastest oh, I love a, uh, lawn, lawnmower. Oh look, hey, should we you know, like? Should, should we talk about your first book first? Yeah, I was just gonna sure. ask Chris. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you hang on. You don't. You don't even know what my first book is. No, that's that's right. We probably don't. But that, that's um, why I want to talk about it. You you introduce us to your first book. Well, what do you think my first book is? I thought it was Born to Run. I'm going to say it wasn't Born to Run. Yeah. Well. Oh fuck! You're a genius, Adam. <laughs> 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 that's right. The on the I came up with that logic. Hey, sorry, man. Here's here's the secret backstory. So, uh, before I wrote Born to Run, I wrote a book about a secret Mexican brainwashing sex cult being run <laughs> by what, what a, a it's the one Mexican pop star. Uh, I'm telling you, man. But uh, which is the reason why I refer to my first book as Born to Run. <laughs> fuck born to run man tell us about that other book <laughs> oh yeah man it's called it's called perfectly girl trouble and uh it's a true story man there's this mexican pop star named gloria trevi 
huge hit in the 80s and 90s. And one day, the police come knocking at her door because there were lots of complaints um, from parents of these teenage girls which have gone missing. So the police come knocking on her door, and it turns out Trevi and her manager had taken off with like 20 of these, you know, teenage girls who they had lured in as, you know, to become her, her backup singers. Well, and they so were fast, running this so weird brainwashing sex cult. Yeah, yeah. And they, they go on the run. And for a year and a half, it was, it's like, imagine if like Beyonce and Jay-Z just Jay-Z. vanished. Man, with 20 I, what, I wish I was on the tour bus. Uh-huh. I wish I was on that tour bus. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> exactly. Imagine being, imagine being that bus driver. <laughs> so, uh, so, so they dis- dis- disappeared. It's a true story. Disappeared. And they only turned up a year and a half later. They were finally captured in Brazil. So I wrote about a book about that whole escapade. I uh, wrote it in like two months, called it Girl Trouble. I cannot say it was my proudest accomplishment. But, um, you know, when you have material like that, what are you going to do? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a story that writes itself. I mean, yeah. Yeah. So that was my first, that was my first book. But here's the deal. Oh, there you go, Ben. That was quick. There we go. I brought that up. Well done. So, uh that's a saucy cover. May cause the reader to feel the need for a long hot shower. Hmm. <laughs> there you go. Wow. <laughs> is that? Oh, is that? Is that a genuine? Re- is that a genuine review? I is think. That, so, yeah. Is that the actual cover? Yeah. Yes, Adam. That's the actual cover. That's brilliant. Yeah. What does it say? Elect cluster expose. You know, oh God! Good yeah. thing you looked. Good thing you lifted your game there, Chris. <laughs> I'm not looking, looking, looking back on it now. I think I'm going to miss another opportunity there. Yeah. I don't know. It looks like it was good you practice. Like that's, that's the story I really should. Yeah. Well, it actually ended up leading to Born to Run directly because uh, it was while I was in Mexico researching that book that I first heard about the Tarumada. And first went down to the Copper Canyon. So let's just all take a moment and thank Gloria Trevi <laughs> and um, her weird, tawdry sex cult. Otherwise, there, there would be no Born to Run. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Man, I was like, when I was reading, um, when, I, when I first started reading the Born to Run and you're describing those canyons, and I, I was trying to imagine what it'd be like, like, in the like you know like like I was in the canyons myself and and it's hard to get how deep are those bloody canyons like those dudes like back in the day they, they just like ran in there and and the conquistadors or whatever like hell no yeah I mean, that's the thing about it so you know our, our biggest canyon up here in North America is the Grand Canyon and uh, or I should say in the United States and these things are are deeper and they're longer and there are more of them and they're all like you know, twist it up like, you know, like your intestines. So it was pretty stupid. Anybody who's going to try to follow the Tabamata into those canyons, we're probably going to get fucked. You know, they're probably going to get lost um, or eaten by a jaguar or something like that. So yeah, the, the Tabamata ended up living in seclusion for over 400 years. Mm. It, that's kind of like the people of Bumbago, but. <laughs> so this, this, this seclusion hasn't been as long. 
and there's no canyons. It's just flat. <laughs> yeah. it's, just, it's just instead of being just yeah. terrain, it's just it's just it's just boring. So it's like, no thanks. Yeah. Oh, I'm allowed to say well, hopefully it works for the American billionaires. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Peter Thiel's got a buddy, got, a, got a cottage down the bottom of the Copper Canyon. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And when you when you um, started Born to Run, um, and and met met the Mexican Indians down there, were you were you into fitness at all, or into running, or anything like that, or? Not really. Uh, you know, I tried to run a bunch and I was always getting injured and I was getting heavier all the time. And, you know, you start that downward spiral, you know, like you, you try to run a little bit to get into shape and then you have some kind of a setback and it makes running unpleasant. And so you, you kind of self-medicate with food and beer and you get heavier and running gets harder. And so basically that's where I was. I was, I was hitting that, that spiral. I was hating running, getting injured, getting heavy, and didn't think there's any way to reverse it. And that's why this whole experience to me was such a life changer, was when I met Caballo Blanco and started to open my eyes to the fact, like, you know what, maybe there's a way to actually oh, have fun with pace. and not get hurt. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I know. How about that, cool. huh? Mm. How, how long had he been down there when you, yeah. when you met him? He'd been down there long enough to get a reputation. I think he was down there more. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, it was kind of, that was the weird thing about it was, again, you know, everyone down there only refers to him by his nickname as, you know, as Caballo Blanco. So when they're telling me about him, like, what what are you talking about? Like, what white horse? The white horse. And again, he, he even sounded mythic. But to them, it's just, I know, it's like, uh, it's like calling him Bob. It's just his nickname. And so, but all I'm hearing is from the people we're meeting in the canyons like you want to go talk to the white horse and he'd been down there i think it was more than 10 years at that point oh and what and the, he just went in there um like wasn't he by day he was pushing shopping trolleys at walmart and then he'd save his money up and head over the border and do a bit of running and stuff he um is is way of getting money was to come up um, back to Colorado and he had an old pickup truck parked behind a friend's barn. And so he'd come up in the summertime when the university of Colorado was letting out for the summer and he'd move furniture like a beast for like three months. And so all the students who were leaving school and professors were going out of town, whatever he'd, um, you know, just fly around his pickup truck and the guy had ungodly endurance and strength. So he's like a little one-man moving crew. He worked like a beast, three months worth of money, and then go back down to the canyon and live on it for the rest of the year. Wow, wow. That's cool. And he used to be a fighter, was that right? Yeah, you know, it's funny because that was one of the first rumors I heard about him was, because we spent a week just tracking this guy down, and everyone knew him, but no one knew where he was. And everyone that knew him always knew some other weird story. And the one I kept hearing over and over again was the reason he's down in Canyon was because he beat somebody to death with his bare hands up in North America and he was hiding out down in the Canyon. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's kind of like it, that's it, the guy it, you're looking for, the guy that's got, got blood on his fists. It, it, so he's sort of like into barefoot running and bare knuckle boxing. 
Kinda. Total throwback <laughs> dude, man. Wait, 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 let loose. When it when are you gonna ride a book on bare knuckle boxing, mate? You know, I actually kind of looked into it a little bit uh, when I was doing Natural Born Heroes. Like, no, no kidding aside, you you read about these bare knuckle fighters. These guys would have fights that were like two hundred rounds, and like, how the hell is that possible? So I, I actually looked into bare knuckle fighting a little bit just to find out, like, how the hell can anybody fight 200 rounds without breaking their hand or, or you know, breaking their skull? And that whole, the whole training and um, boxing style of the bare-knuckle fighters, it, you're right, it's actually a great topic. Yeah, I'll tell you what, I was watching, um, watching a bit of the WWE, and it was John, John Cena was, he was having a, he was in an I Quit match, which is, I know, I know it's professional wrestling, I know it's professional wrestling, but the idea was um, you have to beat the crap out of the other person until they quit. But I think they should introduce that to boxing. <laughs> just, just, oh, but uh, just smash them until they, they give up? Yeah. Or what about even like a running race? Like everyone just like runs around until it's like the last person to quit. So it's not like, you know, you get last man standing where you get eliminated or whatever. You just keep on running until you, until you quit. That'd be good. Yeah, that would be cool. <laughs> it sounds totally, totally. Un- <laughs> I don't know, oh, man. Not my kind of thing. I don't know, maybe because I'm 58, 58 years old now, but the least yeah. amount of discomfort possible, that's, that's my goal. <laughs> we, we, fi- we finally found someone older than Steve. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're not oh, making you- me feel any better. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Anyway, hey, no, like 58's like the new 48, mate. You're good. Yeah. Yeah, well said, Andrew. Thank you. Yeah, I'm guessing. I'm guessing there's no uh, footage. There's no. There'll be no footage of Caballo uh, fighting. No, I found some great pictures though. Uh, right. He was pissed, by the way. He was really angry <laughs> when I. Um, well, how did I do this? I know I did. So when I was researching, here's what happened. So I went down to the Copper Canyon. I met him. I came back. I trained. Came back for the race. And then after the race, I started working on this book. And part of working the book was I knew he was from the Boulder, Colorado area. So I went there. I pulled old news archives, anything about his name. And that's when I found out, oh, this guy was actually a ranked professional fighter. He was like fifth in the country in his weight class. And um, I found a cover story from this local newspaper with him on the cover. And so just as a gift for him, I get this picture and I have it made into a T-shirt. And what the heck was the, uh, oh, yeah, he used to call himself, what the hell was it? The Gypsy Cowboy. He called him, that was his fighting name, was the Gypsy Cowboy. So I had these okay. T-shirts made with the Gypsy Cowboy. All right, so the following year, he's doing the race again. I wasn't going, but, uh, but Barefoot Ted was. So I gave a bunch of these T-shirts to Barefoot Ted. So, hey, give these to Caballo, a little gift from me. Ted brings him down, and Caballo freaking erupts. So pissed off, so angry. I still don't know why, but he was just pissed off. Yeah. Do you think he was a bit nutty? Oh, oh but hang on, guys. That's my donkey. You hear the donkey in the background? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that Sherman? Is that Sherman? <laughs> that was Sherman. That oh, is Sherman. Cool. That's awesome. He's I'm down there losing his, losing his shit for some reason. <laughs> yeah, I think you heard me. I think you heard me talking. I just started yelling. 
Yeah, he's also into barefoot running. <laughs> yeah. Hey, pretty a lot better at it than I am. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So is Sherman still running? Yeah, yeah. We still take him and his uh, his buddies out. There's three of them, and we'll take them out as a trio um, to run some trails. And yeah, they they have a good time. They really enjoy it. Yeah. Anyway, back to back to um get to, back to Born to Run. What what was it like when your book became like a you know caused a Newtonian revolution in running? It's kind of weird. It was kind of weird. Um, I think what caught me off guard was that people started to look at me like an authority on running. And I had to keep saying, I'm not Scott Jork. I write about Scott Jork. I'm, I'm not those guys. I, I'm the guy who writes about those guys. And so that was the, that was the weird thing. Um, yeah. But the, the, the part that I kind of really liked was, you know, all along when I was having this experience, I was thinking to myself, you know, it's like everybody else could experience what I experienced. Like they could really start to change running for the better. I thought running was kind of in a bad place a few years ago. And I wrote this back in, I guess it was 2006 when I started working on it. You know, and if you remember, it was this, it was, everything was so focused. Like ultra running was still kind of unknown. Trail running was kind of in its uh, infancy. Everything was focused on big city marathons, on big running shoe companies. And to me, the eye-opener was getting out on trails with a pack of buddies and not being focused always on how fast can you go? What kind of shoes do you have? Did you qualify for the Boston Marathon? You know, so still I, I think too. maybe yeah. that, <laughs> yeah. but, you know, the idea is that if you could just lighten it up a little, have some fun. And that's what I think Born to Run, hopefully, uh, was the message I was trying to get across. Like, you can really enjoy this and not make it a punishment. Yeah. yeah. I, I heard a rumor they were going to make a movie out of Born to Run with, um, with Matthew McConaughey in it. What's the story there? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I keep hearing that rumor, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so is it, is it a so true? I, 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 yeah, it's kind of true. Um, yeah, it's one of these things where it's, I think, one of those painful introductions to like how Hollywood works is just people tell you a bunch of shit and they just never do it. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's what, you know, yeah, so the producers have it. They have a script. Uh, McConaughey apparently is a big fan and wants to do it, but they haven't much, made much headway, so uh, I don't know hey, what the deal is there. So who, who would he play in the movie? He'd be Caballo. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. I mean, who who would you see being um, you? Will Smith, and only Will Smith. <laughs> <laughs> Not Harrison Ford. I want him. Uh, uh, well, yeah, okay, we're about the same age. I'll, I'll give you that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I, I, you know, every time, every time someone like one of the producers asked me that question, I said, "Dude, I'm holding out, man. Get me Will Smith. I think he's like the coolest fucking guy around. That's who I want." I love Will Smith. Yeah, no, he's good. Safest rapper in right? the world. I know. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> imagine, imagine if that guy turned out to be like a real badass, like Will Smith was all gangster doing drive-bys, you know, just like, like, mansions full of prostitutes, you know, right. lines of, lines of coke on every surface, you know, you know, Jazzy Jeff, man, he's got him down in a dungeon or something. <laughs> <laughs> now I want him even more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love Wolf. Yeah. Well, oh man, well I'll be waiting for that movie, mate. So I oh, know. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm waiting, waiting to hear. So, um, but they're working on a, a Running with Sherman movie right now too. Um, they have Netflix bought that, and they're working on a screenplay for that. So we'll see. You know, with luck, one of these two things will come out. Oh wow! Wow. So who's going to play Sherman? <laughs> I I Sherman's holding out to play himself. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Nice. So why why did you end up writing a book out of Donkey? No, you've written something about you know ultra runners and two books in a row, and then you go for a donkey. Yeah, it's a weird thing. Uh, we we took him in by accident. My daughter weirdly enough wanted a donkey for her birthday and uh yeah um I, where we live we're out, we're out here in this amish farm country with lots of animals around us i don't know where she got the idea that she wanted a donkey i'm like yeah all right you know it's not that crazy so i asked around and it turns out there was a guy that people knew had a donkey locked up in a stall in his barn and his neighbors were actually trying to get it out of there because it was in really bad shape. And this guy was one of those kind of obsessive hoarders. So we went and took a look, and we ended up bringing him home. And the person who's helping us try to heal him said, like, you're going to have to find a job for this thing. And I'm like, I, I don't have a job for a donkey. What the fuck am I going to do? Like, look for gold? You yeah, know? If you got so, a mine, if you had a coal mine, you could use it with those horses. I'm going to tell you. Yeah, exactly. If I had a mind, we, the problem would be solved. But yeah. I got this idea, like, you know, why don't I just make him my running partner? You know, if I, if I want to go running every day, let's take him with me. And so it became this process of actually trying to train it to run and then signing up for these races. You know, we have these races out here in Colorado, these Packboro races, where people run alongside their donkeys, like 29 miles up through the Colorado Rockies, side by side with a donkey. And I thought, cool, like, what if – I could actually yeah. get this thing in a hey, well, we can go to Colorado and, I'll run and with jump into this race. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I remember a bunch of jackasses too, right? But another one with four legs. <laughs> yeah. When you when you um got into Born to Run, Chris, did you is that like that's like a once in a lifetime sort of thing for a journalist to to come across that, you know, something you can write about like that, that yeah, it just kind of takes off. You know, it's weird because I still to this day don't understand exactly what happens. Um, you know, it, it just took off because, you know, when, when the book came out, it was pretty much ignored. It, it wasn't reviewed in any newspapers. Uh, to this day, I've almost never been on television. I never get a TV interview. And so the book came out and I uh, did a couple of events, you know, six or seven of them. And then that was it. So it wasn't reviewed. It wasn't on my bestseller list. It was invisible. And so what I started to do was take boxes of books 
out to like 5K races or to running club meetings. I would just show up and say, hey, guys, just give me five minutes. I just want to tell you about this book I got, Born to Run. You might be interested. Anybody wants a copy yeah, and a free beer, meet me at the, at the back of my car. So I give out a beer, sell a book, and be on my way. And this went on for a few months. And then somehow, on its own, it just started gathering momentum. It just started to pick up and pick up, and sales went up. And then all of a sudden, bam, it was on the bestseller list. And then it stayed there for four years. So, you know, looking back now, I'm like, was it the free beer giveaways? Like, what, what exactly <laughs> happened? And to this day, I'm, I'm kind of not sure. So yeah. for me, the story is good, but I feel the same way about, you know, all the other books, apart from, you know, the, the sex cult book. Apart from that, I feel all my books have a really cool story that has gotten into my bloodstream, but only Born to Run really took off wildly. And I, I still can't quite figure out why. Yeah, I think you, maybe you're like, you kind of ride that wave, like, you know, the trail running community's kind of growing and then you've you've got sort of something in that market that that sort of fits and there's not a lot of, um not a lot else maybe um that kind of captures that community's attention yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so you um it's, it's pretty interesting like you when you started uh looking into it and stuff um were you like but i like my shoes yeah, yeah, You've, everyone's running in these shoes with massive soles and stuff, and then you're kind of looking at it going, hang on. Um, I love you know, the Ed Jordans. You're kind of going, going yeah. against the mainstream. Like, is that, is that pretty common? Like, as a journalist, when you're looking at something, does it kind of, once you unpack it, you're like, hang on, there's a lot more um, to this than, yeah. than sort of on the surface. Yeah, and I think, you know, maybe that's, a reason why the book caught fire was because I had a feeling that a lot of people were already kind of suspecting the same thing. You know, uh, you know, back then, whenever you walked into the running shoe stores and you saw that whole like wall of shoes and motion control and stability and cushioning and neutral, and you're like, it's bewildering. And then you find a shoe you like, and six months later, it's been discontinued and they have something else by the same name. Well, yeah, so I have get, a feeling there are a lot of people. A lot. You can get you can get shoes with bloody um, Bluetooth connectivity. It's ridiculous. Oh yeah, I know. And so, but I think a lot of people were already starting to feel like maybe this whole thing is kind of a con. You know, I, I think people were starting to suspect it. And then I meet these barefoot runners like Barefoot Ted and Barefoot Ken Bob, and they kind of like lay out the whole Da Vinci Code for me. And I think maybe that's the reason why people responded because they're probably all on the verge of figuring this out for themselves. And I just happened to get there like a half a beat earlier. Yeah. I mean, there, there is a, there, I mean, is there a place for shoes though? Like, like do, are all your runs barefoot? No, you know, it's, it's like everything in life. Protection is fine. It's when we get in the business of correction, you know, when we think we can outsmart Mother Nature, that's when we have a problem. So, yeah, you know, protecting the sole of your foot, fine, it's perfect, it makes perfect sense. But the problem with running shoes was they got in the whole business of like correction, of like controlling the pronation and controlling the motion and adding cushioning. 
So all these mad scientists like experimenting on your body, they have no idea if any of this shit works, but they just shove it out there every six months and hope someone buys it. So, but yeah, you know, when I go for a run, if I'm on a trail for sure, you know, I'll put on yeah, one of yeah, barefoot man. Ted sandals or uh, new balance minimus or just whatever, whatever suits the trail just to protect my foot. Yeah. 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 I mean, Steve, you, you, you wear the sandals, don't you buddy? Yeah, I, I've got I've got lunar sandals. That's what I wear for most of my running. Yeah. yeah. What about that? that oh, yeah. Um, that's good. You know, when you're running in the snow, did you wear your sandals then? I wore them once, but um, sometimes it gets a tad cold if you stop for too long. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then it wouldn't be running, would it? Do you, no, uh, Steve, you got, some, do you got? Do you get some of those uh, tabby socks that, that Ted sells too? I, I have got, uh, yeah, I don't like wearing the socks or the sandals so much because what I like about the sandals is having my feet open and, um, yeah, so I don't I don't wear the socks or sandals around. Yeah, I have a problem. Yeah, I have a problem too also because uh, it makes it hard to keep that heel strap up too when, when, the, when the socks there. Right. So, yeah, um, yeah I'm kind of I'm like that, you know, and when it, when it gets in wintertime, it gets cold or snow, then I'll, I'll go with a minimal shoe. And then as soon as it's warm, go right back to the sandal. But, uh, you know, the idea is not to go, the, the goal is not to go barefoot. The goal is just wear the least amount you need given the conditions. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, fair enough. But I also, I also find if I wear sandals all the time, I do get um, sore feet and uh, my, I get uh, forefoot pain. And so I have to wear shoes occasionally to protect from that too. And yeah. I wonder, I wonder, yeah. you know, exactly. like, That's a, yeah, I wonder if some of our problem is that we've been wearing shoes since we we're born, whereas if we we're brought up wearing bare feet, then we'd probably be better protected as well. Well, you know, again, I'm not sure. And one thing too, this is another thing I look at a lot is, uh, is the whole notion of competition. So it's not just the running and the footwear, but it's what we do with the running. You know, we turned it into this kind of moral obligation. So I, I feel like one reason why the Tarumata are really good runners is because they don't really compete very often. And they're not like going for PRs. They're not measuring shit on Strava. They're not wondering whether they're faster than the other guy. They're just using this as transportation. So they just kind of run until they're tired and they stop and have a drink of water, have a snack and run on. So I think a lot of, it's a lot of the ways we run, you know, where we try to condense it into like an intense 45 minutes because that's all the time we have this afternoon. Yeah. To me, it's maybe it's an unnatural way of running, which we're also kind of paying the price for. Yeah. So they're going their own pace. That was a pace appropriate for each person's body, really, wouldn't they? Yeah, and that's what I think too. And but it's kind of a mixed thing because on the one hand, competition is useful. You know, like if you don't have a race you're training for, you just get sloppy, right? You just don't go out the door. But sometimes it's all that training and pushing for the goal gets us into the red zone where we start to beat ourselves up more than we have to. Yeah. Did you get with the, with the barefoot stuff, did you get some pushback after Born to Run with people saying, oh, you shouldn't be promoting this? And, um, you know, especially when you've got big shoe multinational corporations who have a lot of money. Yeah, did Bob Bowman send us a hand for you? kind of... <laughs> yeah, I was waiting for it, man. I was waiting for the howitzers to come firing from Nike. Yeah. Um, but I, uh, 
I, I, I miss the obvious thing, you know, is that the shoe companies aren't in the business of like arguing with like mouthy idiot journalists. They don't give a shit what I say. They just want to know what the market wants. So all they did was rather than argue with me, they just started making minimal shoes. And then <laughs> people stopped wanting minimal shoes and they, they switched back to something else. So, you know, they took advantage of the market when it was there and then shifted the 180 degrees when it wasn't there. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Went went straight to Vibram Five Fingers and then bounced back to mattresses. Yeah. And, and what about the yeah. um? What about the, yeah, the difficulty with this is? What about like the doctors and oh, podiatrists and stuff? Warm, they? they were. Oh yeah, they were they were fire breathing dragons. They were on my ass for years. Uh, right. But oh, we, you know, we look, know one. It's just, I mean, you know, we know one because yeah. Sorry, mate. You know, I mean, we know one physiotherapist that reckons you're all right. Yeah. Well, I mean, who, who's who's the guy we're running with? Um, Chris. Chris. Chris Sol. Yeah, Chris Sol. He's a. Oh, that was Chris, right? Yeah. 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 Exactly. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Sorry, man. I, I, the name slipped my mind. Yeah. Yeah. He's 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 true blue. I mean, he was actually there before I was. Um, he's one of these guys that was actually quietly doing this, like sawing the. Uh, the uh, heels off of running shoes like years before I came along. Yeah. Yeah. He's still doing it. <laughs> I go, I go see him often. As a patient or just as a runner? Um, uh, both actually. Cause he's, he's a bit of a good, uh, he's a good motivator, good coach. Um, lots of experience as well as a good physiotherapist and, yeah, Steve, why do you need a physiotherapist so much? Do you think it's maybe because you're running in minimal footwear? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe nip that habit in the bud, man. Yeah, <laughs> you pick your hokers back, buddy. Your hokers challenges, buddy. Play 12 inch soles. <laughs> you know, I remember Chris Solda. I remember, I, I remember him being a really kind of quiet, soft-spoken guy, like a very sort of gentle motivator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Until you get running, and then he can really get loud. <laughs> he, he makes some great work. Oh, is that right? Doesn't he? Oh, he's good at cheering people on. Yeah, oh, he's awesome. Yeah, wow. Shit. Oh, yeah. he must have been on his best behavior with me. me. I, I, I had the, like the quiet savant when I was out there with him. <laughs> nice so um we're yeah, going back to the the, the 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 business of shoemaking what you know vibram had a bit of a issue when they tried saying if you wear five fingers you won't get injuries didn't they did you hear about that yeah that was a classic a great, oh a yeah it's a classic amateur yeah, great sales pitch, but you know, if you don't have the science to back it up, you got to keep your mouth shut. That was one of the things they should have learned from the big shoe companies, because you never hear Nike or Adidas making a promise about anything. Like they never say that their shoes are going to do anything, you know. And so they just put them out there, and it's the um, the shoe reps in the stores that will tell you stuff. And so Vibra uh, gets all excited. This is their first shoe. They put it out and they start saying, you will have fewer injuries. And immediately, people put in a lawsuit saying, well, you can't prove that. And it's true. You can't prove it. So they shouldn't have said it. And uh, they really impaled themselves on their own sword. 
yeah, it's hard to find that middle ground. I think it kind of goes from one extreme to the next, right? And then you can kind of get in trouble. Uh, like well, you know, it's funny. It's funny. It's the um, it, it's it's the dilemma of when there's something you believe and you get passionate about it, and you forget to be cagey. And to me, the difference between Vibram and the big running shoe companies is Vibram really believed in its products. I don't think the running shoe companies believe in their product at all. They're just selling whatever they can sell. And so the problem was they ended up paying a price for their own passion. So tell me, Sherman going on in the background there, is, do, you, do you still have to clean out his penis? Uh, yeah. Four months? Uh, yeah, I sure do, man. You know, it's, uh, I was thinking about releasing a little video of that. <laughs> and uh, I talked it over. <laughs> I talked it over with my editor and he's like, I, do you want people to not buy your book? Are you trying to make them stay away from your book? No, no, no penis cleaning video. I, I, I had to clean a horse's dick once. <laughs> Go on. Oh no, that's about as far as the story goes. It was in Mexico though. <laughs> uh -huh. yeah. uh, there's, there's no way there's not more to the story than that. What no, no, they pretty much the isn't. Just penis in the first place. Oh, well, you know, the horse needed a clean, and and I was the one doing it. <laughs> is that what the horse? Is that what the horse told you? Yeah. Is, that the, is that what the horse told you? Oh no, I digress. I digress. Mo moving on, guys. <laughs> Come on. I mean, it's the first rule. Of, it's the first rule of journalism. You need to know when to move on. <laughs> <laughs> and you you need to know when to stay when there's someone talking about a horse's dick. <laughs> <laughs> it's a whole whole different part. Ah right, man, we'll let we'll let you we'll we'll let you off the hook. I mean, I cleaned the rest of the horse as well. I didn't just only clean the penis. I mean, it's the whole horse. <laughs> yeah. Were you guys wondering. actually in a bath together? <laughs> Uh, no, no, there's, there's more of a sponge bath, kind of a wet cloth. Kind of. <laughs> anyway, anyway. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing, I'm seeing, I'm seeing candles and champagne involved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I spent three months in Mexico and, um, oh God, how long ago was that? Um, it was just after Barack Obama became president, not, not of Mexico. Um, America, um, and, <laughs> and yeah, we yeah, I I ended up in this um, village, Sayulita. So I was there for a couple of months and just just got to know the local ranchero and it just happened with the horses one day. So that's about as far as the, the story goes. I mean, and at the time I was I've been awake for three days. You've been, you've been awake for three days, and somehow the villagers talked 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 you into cleaning the horse's penis. Well, and the rest of the horse. I think you're. I think you're a little bit obsessed with horse. <laughs> I'm not the one touching his penis. Don't call me obsessed. <laughs> well, I'm gonna need therapy after this. I, I just want to know who enjoyed it the most. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, let, let's talk racing a little bit, guys. Um, so, when is the cargo? Uh, December, crush the Cargill 24-hour challenge. We go up and down Mount Cargill for 24 hours in December. 
Yeah, we usually do it like, was it a week or two weeks? You almost talked me. Talked you into it? 24. Is it, you almost talked me right back out of it again. 24 hours. So you just 24 hours nonstop, huh? Yeah, it's the right longest now. 24 hour race in the world. Yeah, it's pretty long. Yeah. It's, it's um, I mean, yeah, it's pretty tough. But to be honest, we do have a couple of couches at the bottom in a, in a barbecue and and it's it's pretty hard to keep going. So a lot of people just sit around on couches. That sounds pretty cool. I don't know. It's, it does sound really enticing. Uh, I had a really good time there before. I don't know. Um, yeah, you, you got me kind of tempted. But we'll have to do some kind of a payback. So if I do that one, can I choose one for you guys? Yeah, that's good. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Have any oh, guys oh, run the Hurt 100 in? I thought you were going to say you, you, you'll get Steve to watch the donkey or something. <laughs> <laughs> now who's obsessed? <laughs> but yeah, no, it's. Um, so, uh, Hurt, have any. Yeah. No, we haven't. Have done. any guys ever run the, the Hurt 100? No. Croydon did, didn't he? All right, maybe that's our swap. Maybe that's our. Oh no, no! no. no I, I always um after I read Born to Run, I want to do lead ball. Oof! I tried that. I, I was uh, hey, what's the altitude of uh, Mount Cargill? Goes up to about six hundred and seventy meters. So what's that? Two thousand feet? Probably just over two thousand feet. Okay, that's not uh, that's not bad. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. that's that's not bad. Um, yeah, problem with Leadville, man, it's a lot of it is over 12,000 feet. Yeah. And I don't, I don't is, is there anywhere in yeah, New Zealand? Yeah, if you're not used to the altitude, I can... No, there's no, nowhere in New Zealand you're going to get altitude. How, how high is Mount Cook? Mount Cook's about 3,700, so, uh, which is about 14,000 meters. I'm um, 14,000 feet. Yeah. Oh, okay. So if you're training for Leadville, you'd have to sort of climb just up to just below the summit of Mount Cook and running around there. So 12,000 12, 12, feet. Yeah, so Leadville is about the same as Mount Cook. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. How does that work? Uh, I guess, I guess um, the state's is bigger than New Zealand. Yeah. Slightly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, anyway, man. It's um yeah. There's too many races, dude. That's what I'm gonna say. If um I come to Mount Crest the Cargo, you guys come to Hawaii and do the Hurt 100 with me. Yeah. Yeah, we'll do it, man. Sounds yeah. awesome. Yeah. I think. Can you give Jean Shelton a call and invite her along too? Because I've always wanted to meet her. Oh man, you know, be careful what you wish for. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, she's, uh, she's oh no you don't listen man I don't know you that well but I know you well enough to know you well enough to say you don't want to do that I, listen, you just I, hang out washing horses here's the thing the... Jen. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah alright you know what that's a proposal she would accept <laughs> So here's the thing about Jen. Um, I really dig her. 
she is uh, a real friend. Like, you know, if you call Jen up <laughs> and you want help or anything, she'll, she'll be there for you. You know, um, every time I've done a book thing and she's been within 100 miles of it, she comes rocking up. But the problem with Jen is there's, there's, no, there's no brake pedal, you know, there's no off switch. She just goes, goes, goes. And that's the hard thing about being out with her, man. She'll just drink and party and fight and want to do more all the time. So I really like her. I think her heart's great, man. But she just needs, you know, she needs an off switch. Oh, she, she sounds perfect for Crush the Cargill. <laughs> you got just drinks, runs, and fights. Oh, yeah. You know, that's... something. Yeah. Yeah. To tell you the truth, man. Hey, you guys should actually invite her. Yeah. Well, you oh. guys could both come over. Tell her to reply uh, to my email. I'm not sure I want to be there at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe there's a reason why she's not. Yeah. <laughs> she might have looked you up, Andrew. No, I think, no, she, I, think I, I, I think I I missed her once over Instagram or, or something like that. And then, oh, yeah, no, she's, yeah, here's my email address sitting up. And then, oh no, she must have gone out for a run and forgot about it. Or didn't she? She bought a house, or she she moved into a house. But I think hadn't she been like living in a van for like the last like since forever? And then all of a sudden, I start seeing these pictures, and she's inside she, a house. I'm not sure she bought a place. Um, she was working for a while in Alaska on a salmon fishing boat, so she was out to sea for like three months at a time hauling and fish and she did that for a bunch of months saved a bunch of money and then she moved to salt lake city utah and she was there working on a book and that was as of last uh october so that's the last as my last update on her she gets around a little bit random isn't it you know i've seen um what's that bearing sea fishing or bearing the bearing sea crab program you know is that where she's up in the boats was she Yeah, exactly. Yeah, shit, that's crazy up there. Yeah. Exactly, right. Hey, Chris, Chris, how long were you a uh, war journalist for? Four years. Four years. I got, uh, I got a job. Yeah, I got a job with the Associated Press. Uh, originally, I was in Portugal. And lo and behold, unbeknownst to me, it turns out we also cover all the former Portuguese colonies in Africa as part of that job. And so I think I was on the job for like a week and the civil war broke out in Angola, which was a Portuguese colony. Next thing I know, uh, I was down there covering that war and then went from that war over to civil war in Mozambique and then in Congo and then in Rwanda. Wow. Oh, it was, it was like, that's when all that crazy stuff was going on down in Rwanda. Yeah, yeah exactly then. Oh mate, as, actually, as a war journalist, um, you, you'll know who Peter Arnett is, wouldn't you? Have you heard that name? Peter Arnett. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah man. Peter Arnett, right? Yeah, sure. yeah. He is. He is from down this way. He is from um, Bluff, which is just below Invercargill, which is two hours south of Dunedin. And um, yeah, they have a they have a journalism school down there, the Peter Arnett School of Journalism, which I went to. Oh, but I, but I failed. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, it's tough, man. I had to learn like um, shorthand. I just couldn't do shorthanders. Like, was, yeah, it's fucking me up. Mm. But yeah, we've lost him. We've lost him. He's he's done a runner. Yep. He might be back. We'll see. <laughs> Pretty interesting. Oh look, we've still got Sherman. <laughs> oh no, that was Andrew. Oh, you continue. That, continue. That's, you a, that's Andrew. a dinosaur. Yeah. Oh, Bubba, where, where'd he go? Oh, that's sad. You guys need to read um, Running with Sherman. It's a good book. It's really quite funny. Oh, so you've read it? I'm reading it. I'm about uh, halfway through. Oh, yeah. Can I I'll borrow it off you? Yeah. He might have just said, oh, I've had enough now. What do you reckon? <laughs> yeah. That'll do. I'll, I'll figure it out from here. <laughs> that was quite fun, though. I yeah, that was cool. Uh, did you know he was a war journalist before? No, I didn't know that. Four years in those areas would have been a bit um, challenging. Yeah, yeah, I, I'd read that. I hadn't, I didn't know too much about it though. Because I was wondering. Yeah, it's, pretty, it's pretty interesting, isn't it? Going from that to writing about um, running and stuff. And donkeys. Yeah. Donkeys. Yeah, it's pretty. He says, I just got clicked out and can't log back in for some reason. Oh, send him the link, man. Send him. Abumata ended up living in seclusion for over 400 years. Mm. Yeah. That's kind of like the people of Bumbagal. But... That's what I'm going to say. If um, I come to Mount Crush the Cargo, you guys come to Hawaii and do the Hurt 100 with me. Yeah. Yeah, we'll do it, man. Sounds yeah. awesome. Yeah. Oh, but hang on, guys. That's my donkey. You hear the donkey in the background? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, is that Sherman? Is that Sherman? <laughs> that was Sherman. That oh. is Sherman. Run to the trap!